630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. You've heard a bit from Leon Dreisaitl tonight on Inside Sports. He did a conference call today. Dave Tippett, the head coach of your Oilers, was on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Tippett saying players disappointed in how the season has at least ended for the moment. You know, it's it's a tough time for everybody. The, the players that I've talked to, there's a, there's a frustration a little bit that, uh, you know, that it ended so quick and they they still have that uh, competitive mindset but then you recognize uh, the uh, hardship that the whole world is going through and you put that in perspective a little bit so it's um, you try to stay try to stay as upbeat as you can with the players and and recognize that uh, what's going on in the world and our players are there's frustration with not playing but that being said they recognize what's going on of course, you can get the full interview with Dave Tippett on the Oilers Now page on 630Ched.com. Tomorrow on his show, Bob's scheduled to be joined by Sportsnet's Mark Spector and Jamie Porter, the director of scouting for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Well, we are, of course, facing this pandemic with the coronavirus. You've heard the sad news, uh, five more deaths in Alberta today. A total of eight people has uh, passed away. This is a serious matter. It is no game unless it is in 2008 a board game came out and it was called pandemic and it's still hugely popular it has spawned several spin-offs and expansions and i was thinking about this uh, game the other day because i i have played it in in the past and i thought man i wonder what it feels like to have designed this game so i looked the young man up and I tracked down Matt Leacock, who joins us tonight on Inside Sports. Matt, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you all doing? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for checking in tonight, Matt. Uh, we haven't had a lot of board game designers on Inside Sports, but it, it, it's an interesting tie-in. Look, I'm going to dive right in here. How have you felt about the, the title of the game and the way the game is played, where players are dealing with a global pandemic now that it has become reality? Uh, the whole thing is really uh, quite disorienting, actually. Um, I think the, the only saving thing is that, you know, when you're playing the game, you're all you're all trying to work together to, to overcome the disease, right? It's uh, it's sort of a positive experience. So um, that's that's the only, uh, I guess, silver lining in the whole thing. Yeah. So what? where, where did the original idea for the game come from where you thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to make a game about battling diseases? Yeah, it was two, two things, really. Um, I have played some really uh, heavy-duty competitive games with my wife, you know, like negotiation games uh, where a lot of emotions get really raw. And uh, those didn't go over so well. Uh, I played a, a cooperative game uh, not long after and found that, that that really worked well for our family. So I thought, you know, I'll give it, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll see if I can design a cooperative game. So and real- that was back in 2004 when SARS was big. And so that seemed like viruses and disease would be a good enemy for the players to face. So you wanted, you were looking for a cooperative experience, and you thought every everybody's united in trying to to battle disease for sure. Okay, um, it, can can you just sort of describe for people who haven't played it how the how the game works and some of the mechanics involved? Sure. Yeah. So uh, you and your fellow players represent um, members of like a disease fighting team, and you travel the globe. And you're basically trying to uh, get a handle on uh, local outbreaks uh, to buy yourself enough time to uh, 
discover the cures for four diseases. So if you can um, keep things kind of under control and cooperate uh, effectively, uh, you can you can find those cures. So to do that, you you basically you try to meld cards, kind of like rummy style, in your hand. And if you can get uh, five cards of the same color and discard them, then you can find a cure. But it, that's a lot easier said than done. It requires a lot of communication and cooperation. Right. It it is possible. Like, you're basically playing an AI that is a deck of cards, so you can lose this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the game's actually pretty challenging, even on the easiest level. So um, it requires a lot of uh, problem-solving, a lot of collaborative problem-solving. Okay. Well, th- th- that that's interesting, and I, I assume I'm not the first person to, wa- to want to talk to you now that there's the uh, – that we're facing this in reality here. Yeah, I, I, I actually did a, a op-ed for the New York Times, and uh, I'm, 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 it's, it's kind of interesting that people turn to the game because it's so topical right now. Uh, fortunately, I mean, it has got a pretty good message to it, and that you know, you're tr- you're all trying to work together to solve a, a a really big worldwide issue. Yeah. Matt Leacock joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports as uh, we take a little bit of an angle looking at the global pandemic. He's the uh, game designer for Pandemic, and as I mentioned, there are numerous uh, spinoffs and expansions uh, to this. Matt, I mean, I I just talked to to, to Tim Roy. He's the play-by-play voice for the Golden State Warriors, and I obviously asked him how he got into his profession. I got to ask you the same thing because that'd be a pretty cool thing to have as your uh, job description, uh, board game designer. Like, how, how do you, how did you actually become that? Oh, yeah. I, I never thought I would actually be able to do it. it. It's sort of like, you know, dreaming of being an astronaut. I, I just wanted to get one game published. Uh, fortunately for me, the game took off. And after a while, uh, after about five or six years of pandemic being out and, and doing well, I was able to switch over and, and make board game design my full-time career. So th- this is your full-time job. You make board games for a living. I do. I've been doing it for almost six years now, about five and a half years. What were you doing before that? I was a user experience designer, so working on software, trying to make it easy for people to use. Okay. So when you, so now your your living depends on making games that people will buy. So, like, is this as if you're working on a screenplay and you got to sit in front of an empty computer and jot down some ideas? Do you, like, where, yeah. where do you possibly begin designing a game? Yeah, it's, I mean, there is a little bit like that. Uh, there, there definitely are some storytelling elements to it, but it's also like being an inventor. Um, so it requires a lot of kind of reckless experimentation. Um, for, for this game in particular, I was just playing around with a deck of cards and kind of stumbled into some interesting uh, behaviors. Um, and then do a lot of testing, a lot of uh, iteration and testing like a scientist would. So sorry, so sorry. Who does your play testing? Do you have a like? It best be people you can trust and that know games. Well, early on, it's uh, people who are um, uh, people I know and uh, people I who can deal with a really crude prototype. But later on, it's often strangers, people I've never met before, playing it. Um, I'll mail them a prototype and ask them to record themselves, and I'll watch their video. Oh, I so, see. So um, you get the reaction and the conversation and everything while they're while they're playing. Yeah, and I'm not in the room, so they're they're not saying nice things. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you know, you don't, you, don't, yeah, you don't want to sit there because they might take it easy on you. No, oh, is, yeah, definitely. Is everything you design cooperative, or have you stepped back into the world of competitive games as well? I think about two-thirds of what I've done is cooperative, but I, I've also done some uh, competitive games, some dice games uh, in particular. 
Okay. Well, Matt, uh, we appreciate your perspective. Uh, certainly an, a, a unique opportunity for uh, for me to have you on the show and, and bring somebody a little different here to uh, to our audience. You know, look, the, the, the game is 12 years old, and I, and I mentioned there's been a lot of expansions, but it, it still remains a, a, highly, a highly popular game. So I guess... Like it's, it would have been a relevant and talked about game even without uh, the coronavirus. I would think. I mean, you're still moving, moving uh, copies of this. Yeah, I, I've been pretty lucky that the game's uh, been doing doing pretty well. Um, for people who are looking for co-op games, it's often brought up as as an example of cooperative play. Yeah, Matt. Hope you're staying safe uh, wherever you. Where, well, where are you, by the way? Where are you based? Uh, in California. You're in California. Okay, well, second, you're the second straight guest we've had out of California on the show. How about that? Thanks so much for checking in tonight, Matt. Uh, all the best. Really appreciate your perspective. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. That is Matt Leacock on uh, Inside Sports tonight, the uh, designer for the game board game Pandemic. Kellen, I don't know if you've ever seen this game or played this game. I played it uh, a few years ago. I had a friend that uh, really liked it, got me into it for a while. And, yeah, you are fighting... The, a bunch of diseases represented by little cubes on the board and they spread around and infect cities around the world. And that theme is now exactly what uh, what we're facing. So interesting perspective there for Matt. Always enjoy talking to people too who have unique professions. Right. I mean, he like he said, for six years, his job has been board game designer. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. We had, Tim Roy was on the show. His job is play-by-play voice for the Golden State Warriors. That's pretty, pretty cool too. Pretty unique stuff. How are you doing, by the way, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm I'm ready to go for another week here. I'm I'm rest relaxed. Uh, I got a VCR coming in the mail, so I'm happy. I'm set. So now, why did you <laughs> why do you possibly have a VCR coming in the mail? Uh, I just had the hankering of just going back and watching some old tapes and that stuff. And actually, I'm doing some uh, home video converting of some family stuff. So I need a a. a, a well, a newer VCR, well, one that actually works, so I can hook it up to my DVD recorder and convert it over for over for uh, mom and dad. No, so. wh- why? Where did you find a VCR? Uh, eBay. So it's used or is it new? Uh gently. Well, it's it's refurbished, so it's a brand new refurbished. <laughs> I guess. You got a refurbished video cassette recorder yeah. on eBay, Kellen Kennedy. Price was right, yeah, twenty five bucks. You got it for five dollars? No, twenty five. Oh, twenty five. Where is it coming from? I mean, uh, you, it by is the co- way, if you're uncomfortable with no, 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 no. revealing too much, but the East just Coast, tell me. Ontario. It's coming from Ontario. Well, not right. really the East Coast, but Ontario. So. Yeah, there's, there's Sudbury. I don't think Ontario is touching an ocean. Mm-hmm. It does have coasts, uh, I suppose, <laughs> along the Great Lakes, and uh, yeah. uh, what's the big bay called? Hudson Bay. All right, so you're you've ordered a refurbished. Now I I believe I still have. I I think I still have a VHS DVD combo in my house. Yeah. Though I am planning to get rid of all of mo- most of my VHS tapes are going to go away because yes. they're just taking up space. See the one that it's I had. Used. The one that I had the uh, uh, the mechanism that takes the tape into the machine had worn out so it doesn't work anymore it'll power up and do everything else but the vhs deck on it has a a, an issue with putting the tapes in and ejecting them right so it wants to eat the tape every time so So you're going to transfer a whole bunch of vhs material to dvd yeah finish it all i started doing that about four or five years ago and it's a project that i haven't uh finished it's just home movies that my dad and my uncle have shot you know of us growing up holidays and oh, you're you know kids sporting man. events and that stuff so looking you're, forward to see what i can get man that's good mm-hmm. stuff kellen kennedy has purchased 
a VHS machine. I feel so grown March up. March 30th, 2020. <laughs> or whenever you actually purchase. When are you going to get it? You got you got to post a video so we can talk about it on the show. Absolutely. Oh, watch so my social media. Is it a top loader or a front load? Uh, it'll be a front, well, yeah, front loader. It's not a top loader, so... So it's a little newer. It's then. it's it's too newer that's, to that's be a, 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 a top loader, right? So twenty five bucks. That is that is awesome stuff. It is seven seventeen. If you'd like to get in touch, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I would like to remind you: some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern classics, spun with a modern twist. Online northchickenyeg.com. They'll have all the details there about what they're doing for pickup and delivery during the pandemic. We're back after the break. Just some safety advice here. Can you ask all your listeners to please turn on their lights in the snowstorm? Roadhammer, you have done it for me. Is it snowing that hard, Kellen? Yeah, it's snowing pretty Ugh. copious outside. What I a bummer. Yeah, I can't, uh, I have limited view of the outdoors from here. There's a couple windows I can sort of see. Oh, yeah, it is quite gross, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right, yes, drive safe, have your lights on. A reminder there from Roadhammer, 780-496-0063. The number to call and text. Eric has called in. He's on line one. Go ahead, Eric. How's she going today, sir? Good, Eric. I just wanted to call in and say, you know what? You guys are doing one hell of a job. Well, thank you. You're doing a great job. I, I look forward to uh, listening to you. I always have and uh, I always will. And I just want to thank you for, um, you know, just sticking to your guns. And, and uh, this. we're all going to get through this. It's. Just put a smile on your face, be nice to each other, and we're going to be all right. And uh, like I said to the fellow that answered the phone there, I uh, caught myself watching bowling the other night. Um, <laughs> I had no idea that it was so intense. I think I'm going to start, st- you know, I think I'm going to start bowling now. <laughs> well, bowling is, uh, it's, it's pretty difficult. I mean, it's one of those things you go do it. And you think, okay, you're just rolling the ball down the alley. Well, try try to do it. I, I bowled with some friends. Uh, well, actually, it's for my for my, one of my best friends' uh, birthdays a couple months ago. Okay. And, uh, we 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 went five pin bowling, and that yeah, was, these guys that were like these were the big, this was the show for bowling. This was like the the twelve pinners. Right. You know, like uh, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm probably going to drink some beer while I'm doing it. I don't know if I'm going to be very good at it, but what the heck? I'm going to give her a shot anyway. <laughs> well, you, you might as well, Eric. Where are you calling from, if you don't mind me asking? From the wonderful city of Fort Saskatchewan, my friend. Oh, Fort Saskatchewan, home of uh, Kirby Dock. You bet. Having a pretty good season for you uh, betcha. Chicago. And, yep. Uh, yeah, we're very proud of him. You know, I I watched him play all the way up. You know, and. Uh, I'm not a scout by any means, but you know when someone's got some talent, it's pretty easy to see. Yeah, for sure. You know, you don't have to be professional when you know uh, a young man like that's got. Uh, he's got some. He's he's got some skills. That fella. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah so tell you like I said, I just wanted to call in. I just love your show. Uh, I always, uh, I always have, I always will, and I just, I. 
I come home and I'm retired. I'm ex-military, and I I come out to my garage now and I work on my old car and I put on put on your show and I just. Sometimes I'll just sit back, crack open a beer, and just listen to what you say and go, you know what, he's got a point, that fella. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Eric. Have a pleasant evening, okay? Yeah, God bless you. Drive safe and stay healthy, everybody. That is Eric calling in. And we also have uh, Goalie Doc checking in tonight as well. Goalie Doc, it's nice to hear from you. Go ahead. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just want to let you know you're talking about VHS tapes um, so we used to have a tournament in Red Deer till 2011. The doctors used to get there, and we'd play there. And before Darren Deshishan and uh, Ryan Rashad got famous, they we had them on. I have one on him on the different uh, tapes where they would used to tape our games, and they would come on and uh, and just kind of fun things. They would come on and uh, uh, you know uh, just make some comments about the tournament and stuff like that. And um, I have I have a few interesting stories, but I just want to tell you one about when I was playing golf, and we never used to get the celebrities come, but we had Eddie Shack come and play one time, and he had his black Stetson, Stetson on with uh, his mustache, and he was the other team was playing on the other end, and he came by and he's he was looking at me and looking at me, and he says, "You remind me of Johnny Bauer," and I thought, "Oh, it's because I had a great uh, you know I you know did a poke check and stuff like that on the one of the players." He said. No, I haven't seen a pair of goalie pads like that since Johnny Bauer played. <laughs> it was the old horseshoe ones that we used to get wet in the third period. Oh, okay. So anyways, that's my story. And uh, if, 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 he ever, if he ever figures out how to do the, that taping, I've got these VHS. I've always been wondering how to get them onto DVD. And I have a DVD and uh, VHS uh, combination there too, but I don't think it uh, transfers them over. But I thought I'd just okay. give you a laugh about that I, about Eddie Shack when he was skating around the net. That's cool, Goalie Doc. Thanks for checking in. Okay, take care, guys. Kellen, you might get a side business out of this. Yeah. Doing some dubbing for people during the pandemic. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's good to hear from Goalie Doc as well. We're going to do the 7.30 news. Uh, You'll get your COVID-19 update there, and then we're back with more Inside Sports. the start of training camp camps were set to open on may 17th we've had a lot of discussion in the last few days on the show about a shortened cfl season which i think is uh what will happen leon dreisaitl spoke to the media today dave tippett was on oilers now with bob stoffer you can get more on 630 ched.com should have time to fit in a couple more clips before the end of the show tonight my name is reed wilkins thank you so much for tuning in well one thing uh, another little thing we're going to throw into the show here in the weeks to come as we work through the pandemic is uh we are going to profile some uh, fans of Edmonton sports teams. There are a lot of interesting people and interesting connections to the team uh, out there. Uh, and we've, we, we have done things like this. And before, I mean, we had Paul Meyerhog on the show in the last couple of weeks. He's a stand-up comedian who uh, grew up in Camrose. He was actually doing a cross-country tour when uh, all the everything hit and he had to get back to, to France where he lives now. We've had uh, actor Eric Johnson on the show several times over the years. He was on last week. He's currently uh, featured in Vikings playing Eric the Red and he's a huge Oilers fan. Grew up in the, in the Bonnie Doon area. And uh, the, uh, this next gentleman 
is is a big fan of the Eskimos uh, and the Oilers, and I know he listens to the show occasionally. And uh, he's written a couple books as well. And I thought, well, th- that's a pretty interesting thing to do with your life. Chad Gansky is on the line. Chad, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm I'm okay, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's awesome to, to finally speak with you after purely digital interactions. Yeah, you, we've been tweeting for a while now, haven't we? <laughs> yes, for, for, for quite a while. So it's it's good to talk to you. Chad, where are you right now? I am actually in my writing room uh, on the Saanich Peninsula on Vancouver Island. And, and how are things there? Obviously, uh, you know, th- that area kind of got the first wave of, of the virus coming to the country. Right. It's, uh, you know, I don't know anyone who has been affected yet. And, um, you know, thank God for that. Uh, you know, my family and friends are all, are all healthy. Um, but, yeah, the numbers are, are definitely increasing. And it's really important to continue to uh, social distance. Um, which, uh, you know, I'm doing to the best of my abilities as well, though, you know, you have to step outside once in a while. But, you know, it's a very strange time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chad, where did you grow up? Well, actually, I grew up in Red Deer, Alberta. I lived there until I was 12 years old. Uh, my family moved, actually, in the summer of 1988. That that date might strike you. I was... Uh, I, uh, you and I, Wayne. Yeah, I, I remember uh, being in, the, in a van with my uh, my brothers and my parents and I think a couple of cats as we were moving uh, moving to uh, Victoria. And uh, I remember going through the through the mountain pass there and, uh, you know, the, the radio signal cutting in and out and we were finally able to tune in a, a cbc station and uh the first thing that came on the air was was the uh wayne gretzky trade and i remember i remember uh, whipping my head around and, and looking at my dad and saying that that can't be possible can it and he said no it's probably uh it's probably just a joke it's a it's a bad rumor but uh you know when we arrived home it was confirmed and uh I tell you what, that was a, a memory that uh, has crystallized in my brain. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, well, so we're very close in age because uh, I would have been uh, 14 in, in, in 1988. So you're, okay, yeah. You're, yeah, you're, I was 12. Your, your connection then to the Oilers, like, do you even, because I, I actually went to uh, some games in the World Hockey Association. Oh, okay. I have vague memories of that, but what, what are some of your earliest Oilers memories? Yeah, you know, um, gee, I have some some pretty vague memories of of going to games. I guess it would have been, you know, uh, in 85, 86. But, you know, those memories have have faded a little bit. Um, You know, my my memories... of, of hockey uh, nowadays are, are mostly of, of having to be force-fed the Vancouver Canucks, <laughs> <laughs> having to live out here. So you know, it's been it's been a painful experience. But I actually say that just as a joke. It's uh, I've kind of I'm, I have an identity as an Oilers fan out here, and and it's uh, there's a lot of ribbing that goes around between my uh, my social circle about you know, especially when the Oilers play the play the Vancouver Canucks. So you're you're on Vancouver I- on Island, but are, are you on an island with your fandom as well, or have you found some more than fans to bond. You know, they are few and far between. I I, I do run into somebody uh, or people once in a while who are wearing a jersey or wearing a hat, and you always make sure to go up and and to say hi to that person because you know how they must be feeling, <laughs> having to endure years of having to to watch the city and cycle and the and the West Coast Express, you know. Uh, and I know you intensely follow the Eskimos as well. Where, where, did that start as a little guy too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad was um, a huge uh, Eskimos and Oilers fan. And so, of course, you know, I would watch the games with him. And so that's where that comes from. Uh, my earliest memory of the Eskimos, actually one of my favorite players was, was Matt Dunnigan. So that was sort of the era that I started watching football, the Dunnigan, Damon Allen, Tracy Ham, Tracy Ham years. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, so you're, you're a little... 
you're a little too young to really remember the five in a row. Like I kind of no, remember yeah. the last couple great cups, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen the 80, what was it? The 81 or 82 game that was, that they won the cup against Ottawa. The 81. Yeah. 81. I've seen the replay, but no, that was a little bit before my time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what, and it, it, like the CFL is not as big in, uh, on the West coast, or at least we're led, led to believe, or you, well, you know, it, it's not. Uh, Vancouver is is it's a it's a much like Edmonton. It's a hockey city. Um, uh, you know, so the, the Lions games uh, they don't do very well in terms of uh, of fans. But you know, um, they've been they've been increasing their fan base a little bit lately. And you know, I'm, I think they're pretty excited about the team they're building there after they stole our quarterback. <laughs> um, but but I will say let me let me say though that I think we're uh, in very good shape with our quarterback. So uh, yeah, I just I just heard you say that they may shorten the the CFL season or at least there's talk of it, and it's you know probably uh, inevitable. And ah, gee, I don't know how I feel about watching you know shortened seasons or or this you know talk about this different format of uh, playoffs for the NHL. I'm you know I, I'm kind of a traditionalist. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, well, and, and and I mean, if you, I mean, you know that I I'm I'm skeptical about the NHL season being being finished. I I just yeah. don't know even if we get healthier in a couple months if it's going to be healthy enough for for people to gather by the uh, thousands. Yeah, and how do you how do you go from from playing to to being off to to jumping right back into it again? And I think I, I read a read something about Connor McDavid actually saying that he would be very uncomfortable with that, and I can I can totally see why, uh, despite the fact that these guys I'm sure are keeping in shape. And I listened to your talk about Leon Drysdale keeping in shape today, but I mean, geez. Uh, being in shape is one thing are you in game shape and that's that would be that'd be my worry yeah yeah for sure uh chad gansky joining us tonight on inside sports we're going to be uh, profiling some of you as we work through the pandemic uh oilers fans eskimos fans and uh people who have done interesting things uh outside of of their fandom before i get to that i mean i gotta ask you chad just your feelings on uh, a, a pretty good Oilers season. I mean, they didn't have a, an excellent team, but they had a pretty good team on the yeah, potential I, of it I, not finishing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. I, you know, I think they, they were a flawed team, but, but so is everybody. And, and you know, I, they had the two best players in the world, and they were getting some pretty stellar goaltending there for a while. And I don't know. I'm, I'm very disappointed that the season can't continue because I think this team had the potential to, to win a round, maybe, maybe surprise another team, win another round. But, I mean, we'll never know. But I think the potential was there, certainly. All right, Chad. So uh, I'll give kind of the backstory here because you and I interacted on Twitter uh, a, a little bit, and, yep. uh, and and you're you're very like I, I found you passionate but reasonable, which 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 I, I respect a lot. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, and, and then I, I saw you tweeting something, or you had something in your profile about writing books, and and that's yeah. I mean, I just think that's one of the greatest things somebody could ever do. And well, so thank you. And so you fired me off a, 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 a copies of your books, and I've read I've read the first one. I got to get okay. to the other one. So it's Idyllic Avenue, and yep, then you have right. Salas Idyllic Avenue 2.0. And right. Idyllic Avenue, it is um, I don't want to give away too much, but basically humanity in the distant future trying to survive on another planet. 
and there's right. a lot of other stuff going on. Where do you get your ideas? Because this is one of those where I'm like, man, this is one creative dude to, to take this where he took it. Well, thank you. And, you know, you'd be probably not surprised to hear that I uh, get that question a lot. And it's, it's, it's not a simple answer. I think uh, ideas, uh, they come to you from so many different different places um you know i'm inspired by uh you know old science fiction books i'm you know uh, lit books i'm I'm inspired by uh by movies so ideas come from all different places personal experiences you know i I once once heard an interview um uh with the famous uh film director david lynch i'm not sure if you're aware of his stuff absolutely Uh, yeah he did twin peaks um anyways he kind of described it as ideas are kind of like like invisible bubbles kind of floating all around and if you're open to having ideas you just need to reach out and grab them and and i like that analogy because what he's basically saying is that ideas do come from so many different places um you know sometimes I'll, i'll have a dream and i'll wake up and i'll have to write some ideas down from that dream sometimes i'll just you know i'll I'll wake up in the middle of the night and and something will just strike and also i'll reach for my cell phone and write a little note so i don't forget don't forget what i had just thought but yeah it's a i i can't tell you i can't give you a concrete answer about where ideas come but i usually just sit down i start writing and the ideas you know for the most part just start flowing and now, have you always had an affinity for for writing and specifically science fiction? Where did that come from? No, not not for science fiction. I've always had an affinity for writing. My my mother always brings up that I used to uh, write short stories and, and do little cover art and, and and wander around the neighborhood in Red Deer, uh, South Red Deer, and, and try to sell my sell my stories to no the neighbors. Yeah, and and I asked her. I don't remember doing that, but I but I, I said, well, Mom, did I did I sell any? And she said, you sold every one. So so I guess that that was the first time I. Uh, I got paid for writing, but so I've I've always been a writer, but I uh, I never uh, envisioned being a science fiction writer, and whether I'll stay a science fiction writer as I continue my writing career, I I, I don't know. Uh, the book I'm working on right now is uh, another dystopian. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's a dystopian pandemic book. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I the science fiction came pretty much when i when i first wrote idyllic avenue and i guess that would have been like 2013 i think was the uh the initial uh first edition and did you self-publish these books i did the second one the first one was yeah the first one was published uh through a traditional publisher um the second one, uh, I was only under contract for the one book, so the second one, I was offered another contract, but there were, there were, they wanted me, they, were, they, were, they wanted to take creative license away from me a little bit. They wanted me to go in certain directions, and I just felt that I was, I felt strongly about this story, and I decided to uh, refuse the contract and went out on my own for the second book. They wanted more sex, didn't they, Chad? They, they, they I thought there was enough in there, but <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> I tell you, those publishers are perverts. <laughs> So how do you get a publishing contract where uh, somebody says, was it Elysian Press? Was that the first one? The, the, uh, no, the first press was called Crescent Moon, um, and then they actually went under, so I got my rights back. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that says about our, the quality of my writing. But, uh, <laughs> so that, but I was able to publish it uh, fairly quickly with a new press. They're called Elysian, and I believe that's the copy I sent you was published by Elysian Press. Yeah. And so how do you get noticed where somebody says, okay, man, we're going to pay you to write a book? Quite honestly, uh, it's 
total luck. It, 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 it really is. You know, I know you have to have some, you know, some affinity for writing and some talent and, and a lot of perseverance because, you know, writing a book, even the short, the short book that you read took me several years to write. I mean, it, you have to have perseverance and determination, but there is a huge quality of luck. I mean, when you send it out to, you know, two dozen, three dozen publishers, you're just hoping and praying that you get one, one phone call. And uh, I was just really lucky. You know, and, you know, I, I hope that my next book, I'm as, I'm as lucky. So then when, there, sorry, there's Chad. certainly no guarantees. So then when you self-publish the second book, right? Um, like, is that kind of like you just decided to walk out on the thinnest branch on the tree or what? what yeah, for, like? for, yeah, very much so. Uh, very much so. You know, I was actually able to, uh, to co coerce and, and convince uh, a couple of the people I had worked with on Idyllic Avenue. Uh, I got, uh, I talked with their, uh, the editor that I'd worked with and, and the cover artist I'd worked with, and they agreed to work with me on, on the sequel. And so I basically just kind of cut out the publisher and, uh, and you <laughs> used, used the uh, editor, the, uh, artist, and then I found a formatter and, uh, we just put the book, the second book together. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, Amazon makes it really easy now to self-publish and uh so that's the route i went okay well that's all i mean i look forward to uh the, the, the i'm a bit of, i'm a bit of a slow reader i mean you sent me these probably 18 months ago and i, <laughs> I, read, the, I read the first one about uh t two months ago but I, I really enjoyed it and i and i like science fiction uh, i like stuff that can get a little weird sometimes in, in idyllic avenue I, I thought funny. it did. Maybe you didn't mean for it to be weird, but I know well, it got it, a little weird. It was fully weird, yeah, <laughs> fully weird. <laughs> it was full. It was full on weird. Uh, <laughs> and, and you mentioned, uh, I mentioned your mom. Is she? Uh, still with us and, and what oh yeah what, yeah my, both, both of my parents are still with us um, actually you know you talk about being a slow reader it took my dad about two years to read my book so please <laughs> <laughs> please don't don't worry at all I'm used to this <laughs> all right well well Chad this was awesome to have you on the show uh, yeah it really was thank you you're uh, you're an easy follow on Twitter because it is your name Chad Gansky G A N S K E I've tweeted out uh, your your Twitter handle and the uh, pictures uh, of your books if people want to either talk to you about writing or just talk to you about the Oilers and the Eskimos because I know Absolutely. you're, you're uh, happy, to, happy to do either. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. I had a blast. Right on. That is Chad Gansky tonight on uh, on Inside Sports. Well, that was fun. Uh, so we found out about his history as an Oilers and Eskimos fan and uh, he left Edmonton the same summer as Wayne Gretzky under different circumstances, but he's uh, kept flying the Oilers flag and the Eskimos flag out on the West Coast. And uh, Idyllic Avenue and then Salas, Idyllic Avenue 2.0 are, uh, are his books. I, I read the first one, and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool ride. Inside Sports on 630 Ched. 780-496-0063 is how you can reach us. Inside Sports at 630Ched.com is the email. And, Kellen, as you know, if somebody has uh, a, a person or a team or whatever that they think, hey, I bet you Reed would like to, to profile this person, we will look into it. I can't guarantee we'll put everybody on, but uh, we definitely have had listener-created content on the show. So don't hesitate to shoot me an email if you have an idea. We're back after the break.
Overkill. This is a request by the Hermit. This is Big City Nights by the Scorpions. Hermit's been sending in requests almost every show. He's a popular guy. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. He, uh, he knows where to get his music fix. Absolutely. Great to have Chad Gansky on the show. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Oilers now is noon to 2 every day. Dave Tippett, the coach of the Oilers, was on with Bob Stoffer earlier today. Uh, good interview with Tippett. I've played a couple clips from that. I want to get to this one. He started, Bob asked him about the success of the special teams, and then he uh, got into a more detailed answer about some other things with the team. Our special teams, we were, uh, you know, we did a pretty good job all year long, and, uh, and I give credit to Jim Playfair and, and um, Glenn Gullickson. They, they run the power play and the penalty kill. Respectfully, really done a nice job. But there, well, there was, there's lots of room for growth in, in the five-on-five play. And I, I look at, uh, you know, there was still one of our one of our things we talked about at the start of the year. We have to bring our goals against down. I think there was still some growth in that area, but. Um, you know, adding those players, and it was it was funny. We like we we never really had the whole mix of players together, and that's yeah. what that last ten or eleven games was going to be really important to bring that mix together and get some. I you know I always talk about rhythm in your lineup. We needed to find that rhythm, and if we would have had that opportunity, I think we were trending to the place where our five on five game would improve, and. Um, you know, that's all well and good to talk about now. We're, you know, hopefully we do get to play those those games, but it's going to be everything will be a little bit different. You know, coming back and you'll have to you'll have to worry about your team getting up and going in all areas of the game, not just one that you feel like that was uh, you needed improvement on. So it's uh, it's like you know the growth of our team. We liked. I think there's still lots of upside here, and um, with some of the moves we made at the deadline i still think that there's there's an unknown factor of how how those are going to pan out but in our minds they were all looking like they could trend the right way but that'll be uh, when we get back and playing we'll have to put that into into fast track and see if we can get things up and going all right a little bit there from uh, dave Tippett, the coach of the oilers I, I should play this again if you if you missed it Pretty uh, pretty fun clip today from uh, Leon Dreisaitl on how he's staying in shape. We're obviously a little bit limited, but um, I have a, a gym in my house here in Edmonton, and um, so yeah, try to do uh, something different every day. Try to stay fit, um, stay in shape. Uh, so yeah, go for runs, do stairs, all, all kinds of different stuff. I try to dangle around my dog once in a while. With, <laughs> Um, with my stick, I have a stick in my basement, but other than that, there's not much, um, not much opportunity for me to, to, yeah, work on my skills or anything like that. He's dangling around the dog, Kellen Kennedy. That's, that's what we're going to say next time Dry Settle beats a guy one-on-one, goes in and scores. He dangled around the dog. Doggy dangles. There we go. More on Leon Dreisaitl on 630Ched.com. All right, we are winding her down for the evening. I got to go home and watch Better Call Saul. Adler will be next here on the radio. Thanks to Chad Gansky, Matt Leacock, Tim Roy, and Brock Sunderland for being on the show. Kelly Rudy scheduled to join us tomorrow. And eight-time Canadian women's long drive champion, Lisa Longball Vluswick, scheduled to join us too. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator. 
Thanks to everybody who called and texted, and I really appreciate that you listen. My name is Reed Wilkins. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.